What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Are you ready for season two of Discography? I'm your host, Mark with a C, and Discography is a show where we look at a great artist through the lens of only their canon albums of first release material to see who they really are and how it all stacks up. And you should know that for season two, we will be discussing the albums by the one, the only, Janet Jackson. Singer, songwriter, dancer, actress, a household name, one of the biggest stars the Western world has ever known, and though she sold over 100 million records worldwide, few have really poured through her canonical albums to see how they stack up. From her unsung early recordings to the genre-defining albums Rhythm Nation and Velvet Rope, all the way to 2015's Unbreakable, we're taking the deepest dive into Janet Jackson's studio records one can possibly imagine. Season 2 of Discography premieres on July 17th, 2018 only on Consequence Podcast Network. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to This Must Be The Gig. I am your host, Leo Phillips. And if this is the first time you're tuning in, make sure to go back at our whole pod discography. Podography. Podography. And have a look at all the chats that we've had so far to get a good idea of what we do. If you're lazy, like me, and you have no time, and you just want to move forward and listen to this episode, then... I will gladly tell you what we do. We are acting as your backstage pass to the world of live music and performance in general. I chat to choreographers and artists and festival founders. Who else? 
musicians, directors, actors, directors, composers, anyone who has the potential to have a really wonderful story about their personal connection to live performance and performance in general. And it is a fascinating world. And I urge you to, to join in. Join in on the journey with me. That sounded very cult-like. That's what I did. Joining on the journey with me. Me, Joining Adam, on the journey with me. A lowly engineer. I'm just along for the ride, but what a ride it's been. <laughs> you, you join me for the journey. <laughs> Hello, join me for the journey. Um. So as you can tell, it's been a week. It's been a crazy week. I gotta say though, it was much, much better though. I had two fantastic chats with two of the most amazing humans. Before I get there, let me tell you a little bit about Futurehood because that really is a good start. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. So Futurehood is a Chicago-based LGBTQ-centric record label that represents a really beautiful growing underground community of LGBTQ rappers and DJs and also singers. And the whole thing is spearheaded by rapper Mr. Wallace, who I have in the studio. (laughs) Mr. Wallace is great. And they are really having this beautiful breakup moment at the moment. And it's a really incredibly important time for LGBTQ hip-hop in Chicago. And they are doing an amazing night coming up next month, November 23rd, as part of the Red Bull Music Festival in November. And if you are a long-time listener, which I know a lot of you are, you'll remember that back a while, a while back... Back a while back. It might have been episode five. It was early on and in, in when the pod started. I had Adam Shaw and Tristan Perich uh, because I had spent a week in New York enjoying Red Bull Music Festival in New York. I still gush and talk about it all the time. But what is amazing about the Chicago version is that when I thought New York couldn't be topped, it looks like Chicago is even better thank you i mean (laughs) i'm looking at adam urging him on to (laughs) chime in because he's from chicago i yes this this hometown boy i i I have to say i loved the new york edition of red bull music festival last year it was it was beautiful was it last year oh it feels like so long ago oh my god (laughs) you said that was so much confidence no it was this year this year a lot has changed time flies when you're in a Weird, weird, weird timeline. Time warp. But Red Bull Music Festival this November in Chicago, you've got Cupcake. Jamila Woods. Jamila Woods. A noise drone night with none other than Mersbau. I know. I am losing my mind at the prospect. <laughs> I can see you clenching. Ah! <laughs> so if you aren't from Chicago, I would highly recommend coming in just for it, especially. Just come if- in for this show. After these conversations, I know I was talking up that Mersbau show, but after these conversations, this is the night I'm most looking forward to going to. I am so excited. Futurehood is, I mean, from the future. (laughs) They really are, though. Everything that they represent is a future that they want to see. It was about hope and about rebuilding and love and how important that is to rediscover in a very, very tumultuous time. I just sat and really listened most of the time because 
it's there. This is this is their time. And I can't wait to see the show. November 23rd at Subterranean. Get your tickets now. Get your tickets now because they will be they will go, they will go. You'll I'm not surprised if they wouldn't be. You'll get to see Roy Kinsey, the raprarian, which you'll so hear more the about. So that's other amazing guest we have. Roy, I felt like Roy speaks like he hugs in a very warm way. And Roy and I had a really beautiful uh, hour together. As a former library employee myself, I'm so glad to see someone repping the Chicago Public Library system. And how interesting. He tells us little stories about his experience there and how that informed the way that he interacts with people, how it informed the way that he interacts with his art. And he is just such, he's just a well of information. So if you haven't seen anything of his yet and you really don't know Anything about these uh, wonderful artists, I would recommend going to Futurehood, which is F-U-T-U-R-E-H-O-O-D dot net. Check it out. It's a wonderful website that gives you kind of a primer on everything that they do. And if you haven't listened to anybody's music, it's all there for you. The entire label, all together there. All together. But before we jump into these conversations, I just want to make sure everybody is going to iTunes, to Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify we're now. We're on Spotify. Click the subscribe button. Spotify. Click a five-star review. Leave us a review. Were you questioning how many stars they should give? You they should f- give... F- no, I, think, I was thinking that maybe they should give six stars, but I don't know if that's possible it's possible okay. it's always possible Hack into the a system. star is born Hack into the, the system and give us six stars <laughs> and uh if you leave us a review wherever you leave your review on uh on itunes or stitcher what have you with a story of your first concert your favorite concert we will give you a shout out on the show so before we carry on blabbing for a really long time this is me and mr wallace and roy kinsey two fantastic wonderful interviewees and guests on this week's podcast have a listen this is us goodbye for somebody who isn't really well versed in the whole Chicago scene. Mm-hmm. Why did you feel the need to to start the initiative and start the label? There are a lot of artists in Chicago that are hustling to be noticed, and there are a lot of institutions that sort of prey on those artists. There are a lot of studios Mm. that are charging a lot of money for people to get access. Mm. There are venues that are doing pay-to-play models where you have to buy tickets as an artist and then sell those tickets on your own behalf in order to perform on certain stages in Chicago. So just meeting uh, queer artists of uh, different gender identities and orientations uh, just through the nightlife or going to shows and things like that and hearing about these stories literally inspired me to say there has to be a better way mm. and that we would create a platform of our own 
And that's what Future Hit became. So who did it start with? Was it was it you and your partner starting it? Or did you already have a base of people that you were really interested in bringing on board? So there was a collective started by Ace Boom Bap and uh, Dule Tom at the time. He now goes by one, two or no one. But they started throwing a party in Wangs in Chicago and... I started coming to that party and we decided to make that party into a podcast and that grew into a weekly like Wednesday night queer dance party that basically was Amazing. in rejection to like the institutionalized gay nightlife that right. Boys Town, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, top 40 music or yes. circuit music. And there was for- no room for hip hop or queer artists making hip hop. Or like different types of like club sounds and 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 dance music, mm. and so basically that through that collective, I was able to meet artists like Roy Kenzie. I was able to meet artists like Casey Ortiz. I met mm. just out in Boys Town, but like she would come sometimes to Wangs, mm. and she was also interested in the movement that we were doing. So that's when I started to see who in the city was resonating with what. I thought needed to exist here and what I was actually creating, who I was creating it for. Mm. And then through that party, Bandry Report, and that collective and our performances throughout the city and our parties throughout the city, I started to meet all these other artists that became the base of Futurehood. But did you find in the beginning, especially because you were doing something that it was familiar to you, but it was new to the city, did you find any challenges in the beginning to really speak your voice and make sure that you were heard and and also written about and spoken about in, in the right way? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, you can just start collectives now because people are more aware, but it's actually much harder because you you need to have a footing in the industry and you need to be taken seriously as well, not just as something, you know, that is current or mm-hmm. trendy. So so how did you how did you break through that? Well, my background is in uh, retail sales. Oh, so okay. I could sell ice <laughs> to an Eskimo, and I do luxury retail sales too. So I okay. I had the skill set to look at our collective and figure out, okay, what is trending right now Mm. and what language will get someone's attention. And I was able to craft press releases and things like that that were picked up by uh, the Red Eye Mm. and they promoted some of our events and the Reader Mm. also promoted some of our events. Uh, We were also able to, uh, through networking with people like Nate Manick, schmooze our way into institutions like smart bar which necessarily don't make space for Mm. collectives like mine um naturally but we were able to get in there somehow Mm. and by getting in there we were able to make waves um because then people could see us and that's really what performance in live music is all about is getting in front of someone it's Mm. just the challenges of who you have to convince in order to get in front of someone and as you said yes there were many challenges because we're a queer collective. Mm-hmm. We're mostly made of black and brown people. We don't have a history of generating large, you know, crowds mm-hmm. and or revenue streams for institutions looking to sell liquor. So yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. you know, they're not really looking at us because that's the way they built their models. And, uh, and if they do look at you, they're looking at you as a trend mm. or some sort of demographic they want to check off their box to say, look, we're not 
you know prejudice so I think, yeah it's really tricky it's yeah. I've, I see because I'm from South Africa and I, I've seen it there it's so difficult to take a trend and not overly squeeze it you know of everything that it has and and also to obviously you need to be quite mindful that this is humans it's art it's everything that can really make and break a person so you have to be very very gentle and very kind towards it but there is almost an aggression that you need to get into the space yeah and futurehood uh and band report even more so was very militant so we were able to <laughs> as band report definitely mm. work our way into places because no one knew exactly how many members there were no one knew exactly who ran it mm. it was kind of like a mystery behind it which we used in order to get into spaces and then you know f shit up yeah <laughs> oh no you can totally swear on this <laughs> oh, okay, there's good. like it says explicit on itunes because obviously i was swearing at some point <laughs> with someone so you're more than welcome to um but so talk to me now so when did this all start this was a few years ago so that band it all started. kind of came together in 2011 but in 2012 kind of really took off okay um and then by 2013 we were touring nationally during festivals and things like that and I started making solo music on my own as mm. Mr. Wallace and putting that out on the Banjo Report SoundCloud because we were a collective. Mm. And that idea started to grow. But because Banjo Report didn't have a, a face to mm. it and there was some mystery behind it, that being the vehicle or the umbrella uh, didn't seem to like connect fully. Mm. So by 2015, I had decided that with Ace Boom Bap and Ejo Prodigo that we needed an umbrella that was going to hold all of the artists that I foresaw being a part of this movement, Casey Ortiz, Roy mm. Kinsey. And that's when Ace came up with Futurehood. And Futurehood has become the brand that represents what we're trying to do, which is create sustainable futures for people in our community. Mm. Do you feel like your community has grown since you started? Or not grown as in it wasn't there before, but more so people are much more comfy to create out in the open get in front of crowds they're not as they, they are needed now mm -hmm. do you feel like do you feel like that's happened i feel like i am an icon <laughs> and i am iconic and because of you that, are because you of are. that i have met so many people like myself that see themselves in me whether they're consumers patrons and or artists themselves and they are definitely making themselves vocal i'm mm. hearing about so many artists specifically an artist, Eric Dante, who just put out two EPs. He is from, or they are from St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, very Midwest, very like trill, very yeah. like go-getter, like very much I create culture, I'm walking and breathing art. And mm -hmm. I met him very recently in nightlife in Chicago. They recently moved to Chicago because they want to take their career to the next level. And that's something that I understand because I moved to New York to do the same thing. And mm. you're always looking for that bigger city mm. and that bigger platform. And I naturally gravitated to him and now we're collaborating on music. And I just find that there's a huge community. Now I can see the trajectory. I can see the numbers that these institutions we're looking for before and I'm like oh we have a market this is something people need to pay attention to and I think that's why you know 
Futurehood and Futurehood and Friends is happening for Red Bull Music Festival mm. because Red Bull is saying, we see you too, and we want to create space f- for what you're doing to be exalted and celebrated mm. within your city. And represent the city, which I think is a huge honor. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned we were chatting over email and you mentioned that you were living, you were, you were, you were born here in Chicago, but you were based in New York for the last two years. So how do you feel you represent Chicago now? I mean, I know how you do because I see it and I know the scene, but how do you feel you best represent it? Like, why why is your face and what you do something that fully explains what Chicago is all about? Chicago has a grit to it uh, that most people know about because of, like, statistics around murder Mm -hmm. and gun violence. But if you're from Chicago... And you grew up in Chicago. Chicago is a portal. Chicago mm-hmm. is your mother. Chicago is your womb. You know, and there's a softness and a, a femininity to Chicago that breeds the creativity and and the innovation that happens here in this city, from house to blues to jazz, and mm-hmm. soul and funk and disco and all of these things that have been really big and popular here. And I think hip hop has shown that too. Um, and is and is showing it even more so through artists like Casey Ortiz, where Kinsey, Blue Bone, myself, Mr. Wallace, that that we we have these very strong and hard um, sometimes attitudes, mm. uh, and but we're also very soft, and we also have a nurturing and healing aspect to us that we want to purvey in our art. And mm. Chicago has that and Chicago needs that kind of representation because we can't constantly see Chicago as a place where people who look like me die. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why, and that's, that's the why truth. it's important that my face is a representation. It's like, look, it's someone like me can actually be queer and thrive mm-hmm. in a city like this. Do you feel like everything that you've worked towards up until even just now and then obviously having the showcase, the Rebel Music Showcase next month in November, do you feel right now that you've achieved more than you could have ever imagined or do you feel like there is still so much to go and we're just scratching the surface now both okay yeah i the the title of this podcast is this must be the gig this must be the gig and that's literally when i saw that and i was like oh my god this is perfect (laughs) this is really the gig this gig has activated futurehood and mr wallace Mm. in so many ways because it is validation and it is an opportunity to show them not only all the things that I've learned and all the things that I've wanted to say and all the things that I've experienced mm. up until now, but where I actually want to go in to the go. future. Mm. So that's why I feel like, yeah, this must be the gig because this is my opportunity to show everybody what I've been building all this time, mm. but then also to set the stage for where I want to go in the mm. future. And I know that this is really a beginning on that journey as well as an ending on Mm. a previous journey because i think a lot of people get so crazy with the movements going on and and people want to support as much as they can but they don't know what it feels like so there is a moment where you need to step aside and just let everyone have their moment and take you know take charge Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of misinformation there's a lot of information but i think essentially this is just the a time when everybody needs to who people who aren't of color me included just need to step aside and watch and enjoy and 
and learn because there's so much that you have to say. And Absolutely. I'm worried that in the future, it's just going to be more and more people getting opinions because they suddenly woke and informed. I can't believe I said woke because I'm not American and I'm not, you know, not part of my lingo. But you know what I mean? People, I totally understand. People just understanding and and waking up to ideals isn't enough sometimes. I think really it's time to just be quiet, really, and just watch and enjoy. <laughs> it's time to heal. Mm. It's really time to heal. Uh, there's a conversation in the media about the political climate and where our administration has taken us. And there's a common conversation around this being the last hurrah from the white supremacists and the last hurrah for this older version of America mm. that they want to make quote unquote great again. Mm. And that is a product, a direct product of not speaking of PC culture of of not healing, of literally just ignoring problems that have always existed, ignoring mm. institutions that have always been here. And so that's why I say it's a moment for healing. And it's actually a moment for healing not only between people of color or people who consider themselves to be white and people of color, mm. but also between people of color and specifically within the black community and within the brown communities. Mm. Because... We've seen the oppression tactics that were used by groups of white people against brown people and black people. We've seen those same oppression mm -hmm. tactics used by black and brown people against black and brown people because they have different orientations or different gender identities. Mm -hmm. And that is where the healing begins. Once, you know, the hetero, cis-hetero community of POC are willing to engage what I'm doing and what I'm yes, talking about yeah. and, and, and to actually sit mm. back and listen and enjoy and learn and heal. Once we can do that and then we can come together, then we as a group mm. can approach those who are outside of our groups from a healed place mm. and really start to communicate things. And that's where I love hip hop, that how big it's gotten. And I love, you know, and music and how big music is getting and genres are being blended and things are being diversified. And there are all these new voices coming in. I think mm. that's beautiful. Mm. But we got to get a couple things straight mm -hmm. no, <laughs> or maybe we got to get a couple things gay and, <laughs> and and queer up some of our language because it's there's true. a lot of miscommunication about what love could be and what love should be and who you ought to love mm -hmm. and i would like to correct those conversations so that we can move forward and get and have know, it ongoing and equality and all of these other things that uh, need to happen absolutely and i think especially coming from a culture like i have it's scary to see a, a society not continuing to change mm -hmm. so like you learn what your ancestors did wrong then you make the change but then it's like people just stop so you know now people understand that you can't just call somebody what you think they are you have to let it be fluid and let it be whatever they want to be yeah. there may be something different tomorrow but that's my whole issue is i'm not sure it, i think you can do, definitely do it through music but it's hard to think that right this is how it is everybody's different accept everybody move on yeah like, that's kind of how my brain the conversation used to work. changes it does. Yeah, yeah. that's how my brain used to work and i'm like why don't people catch up i'm very <laughs> I, I learn fast and i was yes. actually having a conversation with the man uh, a couple of days ago who is 
uh, he considers to be pansexual. Mm -hmm. He's trans amorous. He's dated trans women. And he says, you know, your music is amazing. And I love your EP, the faggot EP. Mm -hmm. He's like, but I think that music is for 2020. He's like a song like Hormone and Mm -hmm. like the pun between whore and hormone and moan and hormone. And he's like, that's amazing. But he's like, most people in America are not ready. Are don't don't know that trans people take hormones. Mm-hmm. They don't know they that don't that's know. their reality. And so where I'm making a kind of like a pun and like a subversive track about that, mm-hmm. he's like, most people don't know that. So when most people know that, then your music can be received in a bigger way because they just are ignorant. And mm-hmm. actually, I like that he said that because I felt like, well, yeah, that's true. I think when more people are aware of trans identity, they will receive my music more because they'll get what I was trying to talk about. Mm -hmm. But also, for those who are experiencing my music now who already do understand, it is of catharsis because they can hear and feel something that they know to be true or something Mm -hmm. that they experience themselves played out within music. And I've heard some people say that, oh, I listen to you on my way to work and you help me get through my day, you know? And I think that that's really important because we have to make music for the communities that are the most marginalized today. Absolutely. So that they can exist in the future and be there to educate everybody about how they've existed this long. Mm. And so that's, yeah, I think we are definitely in a a period of growth, healing, and, and, and community education. And I do believe music is a huge way to do that. I think the trend of you saw with the this is america uh and how that track got mm-hmm. so big and talking about what's going on in america but then i've seen other versions like this is you know this is france or this is paris and this Absolutely. is that and like everybody's these problems going are all over it. the world and so we're, we're learning to connect through music in in ways i don't think we're even aware of yet. but because nobody's scared anymore well there are communities that are scared but people are taking charge to be the first to stand their ground and i also think that there's a lot of beauty in trying to educate people with with having humility as well because it's so easy to get frustrated that people aren't getting it because it has it's been it's been too long now it's mm-hmm. time well all but the... you seem very understanding that people maybe need to be educated a little bit more maybe you i love that you are open to changing your wording which again you shouldn't need to do but i like that you're open to educating people more in knowing that they'll learn quicker then, as opposed to being like, well, if you don't know, you don't you don't get me then. I like that, you know? I think it, it works. As a black American, this language is not mine, you know? It's like, it's something that was forced upon my ancestors. It's something that was forced upon me. It's something that is regulated quite heavily. If, you, if I don't speak, and I, and I grew up in really nice school, so I speak very well. But if I was to be talking like some sort of type of way, yes. I might not get as far in life or I might not be able to convince as many people to pay attention to me and, and what I'm thinking. And so, yeah, I definitely have come to the realization that I need to use this gift um, and this ability and maybe do extend my language or change my language to get more people under the fold of Mm. understanding and empathy so that we can do some real healing and we can do some real building Mm. because the future is coming Mm. and it's not stopping. I know that we all feel that we're at the end of 
days and that the <laughs> apocalypse is happening and terrible. but there but was yeah. something it was something one of the artists that is blue bone said to me mm-hmm. oh, just this past weekend that's going to be opening at the uh, our showcase futurehood and friends and he said you know we are making the music for the end of the world but i'll see you after <laughs> the end of the world because we'll still be here you know and we will survive and we've always mm-hmm. survived and we're literally communicating why and how we've always done so, so that those who look like us and those who feel like our lives to us can do the same. Mm. And then we can start something brand new in the future. Mm. And that's where we're going. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to use my talent to speak and to communicate with people who don't look like me Mm -hmm. so that they do have some understanding and they do do some growth. As far as I'm concerned, every brave black man in America that has done that before has been killed And so that's a possibility for me. My voice can be taken out if people find that, you know, I'm speaking down on the wrong things or speaking against the wrong things. Have you had any issues? Have you had people coming? Because I feel like the way that you're doing it is there's no aggression. You're doing it for your art. You're doing it for the care of people. You're doing it for the city that you love. Yeah, I haven't haven't received a lot of negative feedback because I come from a very genuine and humble and sympathetic place i don't i'm not doing any of this for fame like if i was going to do stuff for fame i'd be a lot more salacious and i'd be more focused on me and like mm. the things that people are excited about mm. but it like, would be very very yeah premeditated yeah. you don't you don't feel like and i'm noticing that there are more and more artists in the scene that are premeditated and i'm like damn you know how am i going to compete with these marketing budgets and these premeditated artists that are literally looking at me mm. and <laughs> taking artists like me and artists you know that i know and That's putting us on a, a mood point. board and That's being like point. oh we need to take this because this yeah. is trending and we need to do that it's true. you know a lot of these like even straight rappers that are being pushed through they by these steal figures, your stuff. they're stealing the style yeah. Yeah. completely the they language do. everything and then saying homophobic things mm-hmm. in the lyrics with our look on with our it's just so ridiculous that I really feel like I have to continue. Absolutely. And harder than ever, because I was going to say earlier when you were chatting about the concept of what you do, I was going to say that it is absolutely time to listen because people don't realize that you are the one who other people are looking to and taking stuff from. If they've got a bigger crowd or a bigger universal appeal, appeal, they're taking it because it's so easy to take somebody else's stuff. But I can tell you that what you're building is the longevity of it is so much greater and so much more powerful that there is no way because you'll continue to change and shift as well it's your art form you know so if they steal something from you you'll be different tomorrow so they won't be able to keep up that's why i love futurehood (laughs) and the name futurehood because you hear that name you're like oh that's that's like universal. It's true. That's like that's like you forever. <laughs> that's like you know that's that's not like a flash in the pan. That's like a huge media brand, and like mm-hmm. I'm that mogul. Like that's where I want to go in the end because I know that we have been the source mm-hmm. of creation, culture creation. Black people in America have created so much culture, and we still do not have the means to own that culture and to protect that or monetize that and commodify mm. that in certain ways. And so, you know, the fact that I can think in those terms and mm. I can have those awarenesses while also seeing the queer perspective and how those people are being marginalized but also being taken from, I'm like, nope, stop. <laughs> we got to fix this, you know? Yeah. And that's where I become this spokesperson and I become this, like, leader, thought leader, and I want to do these things. And I'm like, 
it'd be great to just be a speaker or whatever. Mm. A politician, maybe. But I think, I don't know, in this day and age with so much content, like, I think content is still king in that if I can create music and mm-hmm. videos and interactive experiences, shows, like it's Future so Hidden Friends, meaningful. which is going to be a liberating Huge. experience. Mm-hmm. This is like we're building a spaceship to take us to a place of liberation. Yeah. And we're using the joy of these queer and black and brown voices to power that spaceship. I think that experience is going to be so healing and so exalting and powerful for Chicago that the way from that should reach around the world and we should start to see more and more growth in this field and in this in this in this uh demographic let's say Mm -hmm. or even in just cultural progression as a whole Mm -hmm. like America is struggling to progress culturally Mm -hmm. because there are things that we've done forever that we feel are supposed to be like the police are just supposed to be like, you know, and I hear yeah, so many Chicago radical groups so being like, we need to abolish the police and they're having all these conversations. But then you see, you know, regular citizens just right after the, the McQuan McDonald uh, decision against mm-hmm. that police officer that murdered him. You know, you still have, you know, citizens getting on the news saying, well, we need the police. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why do we need the police? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know where the police came from? Do you know why the police exist? Do you know all of the corruption and problems with managing the police. Like, but we still need, we just need them. Like, we just, yeah. <laughs> like why do we need these mm-hmm. things? And those kind of conversations of, do we need gender? Do we need, like, you know, like how far does that take us? Like mm-hmm. in healthcare and, you know, things like that, that's important. But when we get into corporate in America and stuff like that, we are hindering so many people. We don't even have equal pay. So is gender working? And if it is working, is it working for the right people? Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and some people would say, yes, you know, gender is a social construction and men rule society. So, of course, it's working because it exalts men. That can't, we can't sustain. Mm-mm. We can't keep doing this. No. And so I just want to continue to make music that speaks to that. I'm, you know, I always grew up, I love my father, but I grew up looking to my mother. I grew up in matriarchal families. My grandmother was very important you know, to my, on my dad's side of the family and my mom's side of the family. Mm -hmm. So it's like, those are the perspectives and the ideas that I want to bring to my music and to the conversation that we're having as a society, because I think it is the moment where we move from a patriarchal structure to a matriarchal structure Mm -hmm. in order to heal, Mm -hmm. you know? And if you have that as the base, then if you keep coming back to healing as the foundation and as even if people are skeptic of that ideal it is absolutely like i know things have to break to Mm -hmm. rebuild but it's really broken we need it's the rebuilding phase now it needs to happen and i love that you are open enough to and patient enough as well to tell your story in a way again that is uh, very gentle and also harsh. Yeah, it you took know, me a long time to get to this place. I'm like, sure. I grew up kind of hiding myself and learning to hide myself. And I, you know, I've killed versions of myself in order to survive. And then rediscovered that these people exist within They're me. They're still there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, come out, girl. Be fat. Be the it girl. You know, be Absolutely. that faggot. Now I'm like becoming this mother figure. I'm like working with all of these young artists. I'm like helping them establish their careers. You know, mm. with this collaboration with Red Bull, I'm able to employ them and put them on major stages. And like that 
that growth and that that ideal of that I can be a nurturer or I can be a provider. Um, I can be a mother to those who don't have one um, or who have lost theirs due to, you know, them expressing their most truest inner selves. Mm. Then, you know, I feel like I've I've arrived. Like, I feel so powerful. Like, at this point, I feel like I've created life Mm -hmm. and I've created an opportunity for others to thrive. And I just want to keep that going Mm -hmm. because I know that that's going to inspire an artist that's going to be so big and is going to communicate so much that it's going to inspire the entire world. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been looking at artists like Beyonce and and Michael Jackson since I was a kid. That's Mm -hmm. what I aspire to. And that's what I inspire to inspire. So I think that we're definitely going to approach that moment soon or within my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have to speak so confidently. Because if I don't, if I doubt it and I leave room for us to be silenced again, Mm -hmm. then we will be. Absolutely. You'll just be steamrolled and stepped on. I know you speak about your mom being a big part of your life as well. Was your first concert in Chicago? Did you do you remember that first concert at all that you went to see? Yes, my mother bought me and a female friend tickets to the Pepsi Jam. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure like Beb was like, why is she talking about? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. But it was the B96 Pepsi Jam. Oh, wow. And I saw, like, all of these artists that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, like who? I'm trying to remember who was on that. <laughs> it was, it was very remember, I am, You know, the one thing that I do remember was, I am. I think it was IMX was the name of the crew, was okay. Marcus Houston. They were one of the headliners, and I was a huge, I'm, I'm a singer, too, and I'm really into R&B, and so I was a huge IMX fan. And I remember when they came out, I was super, super excited. I was going crazy. But then this, the lead singer, Marcus Houston, he was singing, but it didn't look like him exactly. And he had this <laughs> hat on that was really low and yeah. never took it off. And he did show us a little bit of his body later in the performance, but it wasn't like mm. the Marcus Houston that we all know and love. So I'd still believe that he never did that show or that they had to stand <laughs> and do him, you know? I like how you... <laughs> like, that's the one thing I remember... <laughs> From like 15 years ago, because I was like 15 going to my first concert. So that was like. And you could never do that. You could never have a doppelganger come on stage and be you. But you know what's funny? My little brother looks just like me. And it would be funny to watch him do a Mr. Wallace impersonation. But I would, I could never, you know, and it's like that was just a thought. I was like, wow, like I would cancel, you know. Yeah. But then, like, you know, there were so many people. I mean, I was there for that act. So it was like, I understood the. Mm. maybe the pressure of like sending someone out even though he wasn't capable or whatever the case may be and maybe it was him maybe he was just sick but I feel like that was a rumor then and I'm like mm. I still think that that was maybe the case. <laughs> maybe somebody listening felt the exact same way and will reach out to you and be like <laughs> oh my god do you remember I was there <laughs> I was there too um so and then also you I know that you were mentioning how your whole way forward is is to be a mother, and I know that you're working on your cool mom project. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that. Are are people who are going to come to Futurehood and Friends show in November in Chicago? Are they going to be able to see a little bit of that new project? Oh or? yes, I'm I'm preparing the project as fast as I can. <laughs> I've been preparing for this project for two years, and it's oh, like wow. all this like 
homework that I was supposed to do on myself that I have not done. It's just been like a slow process, but it's getting really, really close. I have mm-hmm. like a track list now. I know the producers. I know which tracks I'm rapping on. I just need to like finalize everything. I do think that was a heavy sigh. <laughs> well, yeah, because I really want it to be out, and I'm trying to say this cautiously. I want it to be out mm. before the show, mm. um, but it might come out the week after the show. So I'm just kind of like, because I'm like thinking, oh man, do I have enough time? But we'll, we'll see. We'll say it so that it, it's out in the air, and then cool you'll, mom you... <laughs> will be out the week of the Red Bull yeah. Music Festival Future Headed Fridge Showcase. <laughs> yes, and I will be. I will definitely 100% be performing the. Entire body of work on that night. Like, that's always been the goal, and that's what I'm preparing for. Yeah. It's just like, am I going to be able to finish the tracks and get them ready to put out into the world? But I think that's going to be the case. Too. So, having that pressure almost for you, I can imagine, is uh, maybe it will kick you. I well, don't that's know. how maybe I always did school. I always did it that way. I wait till the last minute. Last minute. <laughs> my mom is a, my mom procrastinates. So, cool mom is procrastinating too. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's fine. I'll get it done. I'm totally cool. It's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's like. <laughs> I, look, I appreciate it. I do not slam that at all. I think that for me, it's exactly how I work. It's like it, it's an adrenaline rush. Absolutely. And, that's and then when I go you down. Make the connections. And I go up. Yeah. And, yeah. And then in. And I cry. And then scream. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel love it the, all. I love the in crying, screaming moment. That's my favorite. I'm trying to. That's actually what I'm really stuck on right now is mm. taking that like inner turmoil Mm -hmm. and putting it into words so that it can be one of the tracks because I think that is a constant thing that mothers go through. They're like, why is my son, why is my daughter acting this way? And they can't voice it. (laughs) And it's inside festering and babbling. No, but it's true. And I think that people would be so moved by that whether they're a mother or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that people need to hear what you're going through and they're interested in what you're going through. So anything that can inspire, uh, I think that w- would be wonderful. But And lastly, I, I would love to just know when was the moment where you were performing? Because I know that you're very expressive mm-hmm. on stage and you really do bring a performance that is as... Uh, it's a show. Yeah. It's not just you standing up and delivering what other people have heard on their computers at home Absolutely or on not. the road to you. So how do you, is there a performance that you've performed in the past that you feel you really felt, wow, this is this is exactly what I want to do. This is who I want to be. Was there anything that happened like that? Or is it still in the operative word in the future and you're still I getting mean, to that? I think that almost every performance is a cathartic and healing moment for me where I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, but I do get so much up into like building the platform, building the website, yeah, it's the, it's designing the, the clothes, putting the brand out. I love that. I was, I, I come from a background of retail, you know, that's where I thought I was going to spend most of my life in the marketing and things like that. Mm. But when I hit the stage and I perform, like I become Michael Beyonce. <laughs> 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 And (laughs) I feel like I'm sending out the frequencies that this body is supposed to send out so that the people around me can do the work that they need to. Um, Specifically, my last performance uh, where I got to hit the stage and do uh, stuff live. It was like a month ago, I think it was. It was with Roy Kinsey Mm -hmm. at his Blackie brunch, which was on his birthday, and at a Sleeping Village, beautiful venue. And uh, his his performance was really beautiful, 
and uh, I got to actually close the show. So it was like after his really dynamic, really beautiful sermon with mm. the coffin and mm. the dedication to his grandmother and everything. It's like, okay, now you know, here's Mr. Wallace doing some cool mom stuff. And a lot of the new music I'm working on where where it's very healing and um and where it's very like thought provoking it's also very fun and mm. like kind of very turn up and like it bangs so i started you know performing getting an energy and i just remember seeing this person very front row just really into the music and i'm performing stuff that no one's ever heard before and he's literally singing back the choruses to me and I'm like, and like, that's work, right? You have to like be listening, paying attention, <laughs> remembering, remembering, and then like hearing the audio cues and then jumping back in because you feel it and you want me to feel it. Mm-hmm. And like that exchange really blew me away because I'm like, you've never heard this song before. So A, this chorus is great because mm-hmm. it's, it's catchy and you got it. And also that like you're willing to do that work and to do that exchange with me. Like the fact that I have that is just enough of a like ego boost to like, push it and now i'm like oh now i need to really go hard because when i'm when i'm when i have people repeating back what i'm saying Mm. i need what them what what they are repeating i need that to impact them Mm. in the best and most articulate way so that they can progress because that's Mm. the whole point of my music it is it is it is activism but it is also art you Mm. know so And it's energizing for you too. It's I'm sure it's fueling to to see that in front of it you. It is fueling to see. Happen. I want to find more ways and different ways to have people interact with me with just instead right. of just spitting back the words. But right. the fact that you would do that work on the first listen to me was really inspiring. How do you want people to interact? How do you what you do you You know need? what I really miss? What do you I, need? <laughs> well, I need I need dancers. Mm-hmm. I need people who can just move and like come up with new movements um because i i missed that like moment where we, like we were culturally creating like dance moves like mm-hmm. chicago's great for that we had the nene very recently we you know we still have footwork going very strong like i want to see new movement i come from a background of voguing and things like that so that's mm-hmm. great and i'd love to see that happening but i just want more movement interaction between me and my crowd like which is why a lot of the music that i'm working on right now is very like you got to bop yeah. to this. You're going to dance to this. Because I want to see people moving as well as saying the words and being and empowered. And being moved by just the words. Mo- yeah. Mm-hmm. I want them to be moved by the beats, the words, the feeling of the beats with the words and just the whole audacity of the artist. Yeah. And, you know, how they came in, into knowledge of me. Absolutely. I've had people just be like, oh, my God, I was listening to such and such and such and such. And Spotify brought you to me. <laughs> and I love it. And I'm like, that's really cool. Like, I love to hear how people find things. Mm, mm. But then I like also love to hear, like, what do they do with them? And how mm. do they use them? Because I think music is a tool. And, it's, and a lot of times, because of the way we consume it on the train and, you know, at the store or whatever, mm, it's become a, a background thing. It's not like a thing that we actively listen to. And mm. I want to push people to be active with mm. their listening, to think about the connections and all the puns within the lyrics and, you know, the raps and the words and the songs. And then reinterpret and it. And then reinterpret it in new ways. Yeah. Like, I don't get nothing out of, I mean, I'll get a check. You can <laughs> stream me into, the, you know, you're blue in the face. Streaming, buy the t-shirts, come to the concerts. Mm-hmm. Yes, God, mm-hmm. I need that. But if you can create something to extend what I've created mm-hmm. and extend this mission, that to me would be the most beautiful thing. 
Thank you so much. I haven't stopped smiling. <laughs> Thank you. So well, let's let's do a quick plug. So it's in it's November twenty third. November twenty third, Black Friday at Subterranean Futurehood Amazing. and Friends, mm-hmm. a showcase of Futurehood artists and underground queer artists or queer underground artists from the Chicago scene. And where can people get tickets? Do we know you that? Can, yes, On Red Bull. Yes, redbullmusic.com <laughs> slash Chicago. <laughs> and then they can, where can they check out your stuff? Well, please go to futurehood.net. That's F-U-T-U-R-E-H-O-O-D dot net. Futurehood.net. And you can find information about Mr. Wallace, Roy Kinsey, Casey Ortiz, Shea Butter, Rosé LaBeja, Sky Shaker, and it's all a beautiful the other, site as well. Of, so you. easy to go through and navigate. I was on it for hours because it's just there's so much. I to did see. that by myself. Thank you. Oh wow! But what I actually that? have a new site coming soon. Same same Ooh. URL, but I have, okay. I have more people, but better people on working on a, a site that'll be even more easy and yes. more fun to use. Amazing. But de- definitely check out futurehood.net. You can find information for the Red Bull Show there and you can also see the new merch we just launched yes buy loads of merch and wear it to the show please i love it (laughs) wonderful thank you so much Hey, I am uh, Roy Kinsey. I am the Rapbrarian, a rapper, librarian, born and raised in Chicago. Uh, I released the Blackie album earlier this year in February. And I just released an EP called More Roy in September, uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, yeah, I'm just really having a great time um, learning more about myself through my art. And I'm kind of glad that I am like making art consistently again Mm -hmm. and actually at a more consistent level than I ever have in my life. Although this is my uh, fourth album, it's like now I know, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Mm -hmm. like now I know that this is the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. Now I know, you know, just when people have that awakening, when they're creating art um, or wanting to be an artist Mm -hmm. and then they you know, dive in. I don't know if I had had ever really approached music in that manner, although mm-hmm. I knew that I loved it and knew that I had a skill and a talent. Um, I don't think that I ever prioritized it as much or treated it uh, with the respect that it deserved. And so now I'm at that point and, um, you know, finally. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's It can get overwhelming and exhausting, of course, like doing, you know, having to continuously work on yourself through your art as well Mm -hmm. but how do you how did you get there was it just years and years of experiences or just growing up and thinking this is just who I am Mm -hmm. I need to embrace everything I need to just move forward with my art sure uh I I think in my mind um in in our minds are just masters of like playing tricks on us I I think I believed for a very, very long time that I wasn't doing anything in the four or five years yes. uh, that I hadn't made music. Mm-hmm. And that just wasn't true. But they just didn't have... I can't even say that they didn't have anything to do with music because they're coming out of my music now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was getting my master's in library and information science. I was, wow. 
you know, purchasing a home. I was like doing the 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 life things and really like trying to like check these, you know, check things off mm. of this list. Um <laughs> first of all, and then secondly, really just trying to like make a life and realizing that sometimes the things that you uh ask for require mm. more discipline. Yeah. Um from you, right? Yeah. And so then you kind of have to, so you get this thing and then you kind of have to grow into the thing, right? And uh, that's, I think that that's really kind of what I'm realizing. But of course, it was a stew that was like making, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was, it, it really was just that, just um, me for this, for the music that I want to make and for uh, the person that I want to be mm-hmm. and want it to be, um, it's just not microwavable, you know, <laughs> it's not... Yeah, it's, it's not ready to that. go. It's yes. not that. It really does take uh, me, you know, learning and unlearning and relearning mm. and um, changing perspective and giving something some time, you know, and like rotating around the sun a few times and mm. really figuring out like, what do you feel about this thing, mm. you know? And so uh, that is what the the Blackie album is. Essentially, it's really just a questioning of um, myself and my lineage, you know, um, an excavation of my grandmother's life and uh, black folks on American soil. And um, it's really just trying to understand that story and and understand that story to be able to move forward. Mm. Um, That takes a while. Of course. (laughs) Also because you're changing and shifting every day. So it's difficult to sometimes have these plans which don't really fit in with the concept of adaptability. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if you've got these plans and you're changing, how do you adapt to those plans? So they have to shift with you. And it takes a lot of stretching, which sometimes is like... I don't want to stretch anymore. (laughs) I just want to be or cry or laugh or just be who I am. It's it's difficult. But I love that you went through that for your art so that other people can hear that journey as well. And as you said, speaking about your lineage and actually finding out where you come from and why you're here now and how you're here, Mm -hmm. I think is really important for people who maybe haven't had the chance to question yeah. Who are just in their way, you know, and yeah. haven't had the chance. Yeah. So do you so you said you grew up in Chicago. Yes. Where did you grow up? Born and raised um west. Okay. Uh, west side of the city, yeah, west and like north. Um it's so funny because I was driving this way. Yeah. And you know, um my mother used to work at the Solzer Library and my first story times were at the Solzer Library, wow. so I'm very much a part um, of like the community over here mm. and, my, and, and, uh, the traffic is crazy. The traffic now. is nuts. <laughs> I also so went crazy. to, you know, I also went to, uh, I also went to Lane. And yeah. so driving down here, I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, I remember, you know, I remember this, but yeah, this is, you know, I'm a, um, North, North side, West mm. side, Northwest side. Yeah. And so where do you stay? So you still stay Wayside now? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, still stay west. and your family, they're all still yep. in the same areas? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Westside. Yep. So where did the idea to study, and you just mentioned that your mom works worked in a library, but yeah. where where was the idea for you to do your master's? You know, I've been telling this story, this story a lot, but um, my parents met 
in the library. And um, and then I, of course, was just taking the story times and kind of grew up in the in the Chicago Public Library system mm-hmm. um, and just being around books the entire time. And my grandmother gave me a book um, when I was like seven or eight years old that was... Um, me doing a paper. She had a book made for me. (gasps) And it was me doing a paper on Martin Luther King Jr. And then I got a, you know, so I tell the story of Martin Luther King Jr. Rosa Parks. And then at the end of the paper, or at the end of the book, I get an A plus on the paper. (laughs) And it's so funny because it wasn't until this Blackie album came out that I found that book in a shoebox of mine. Wow. And I'm like, ah, this makes so much sense. The fact that I'm like making an album that is like an an offering to my grandmother that Mm. is about, you know. What she did and how she was part of your life. Yes. I love that she made you a book about like what the future, you know, what would happen in the future. That's so sweet. Isn't that wild? Oh my god! So she, so she obviously was a big part of your life. Yes. What yes, else? Yes. What else do you discuss and cover during Blackie? What do you? What do you talk about? What are the things that? Because obviously, I've heard it and I have my own interpretation. Yes. And I can obviously pick apart the lyrics, but sure. what do you feel are the main things that you went in with, uh, thinking you would tackle, and the things that you came out with at the end? I was really doing some processing and um I was battling anxiety I was mm. um you know drinking a lot and you know whether it's alcoholism or a, an abuse of alcohol that's what my 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 therapists um mm. and some other people say they say that well, you were definitely abusing alcohol mm. but I wouldn't call you an alcoholic right um, yeah I it's get neither that. yeah it's neither you know to me it wasn't much of a difference mm. it was um the fact that that I'm putting mad energy into uh escaping you know my reality for mm. some reason and uh I'm really just trying to in my second stage of life getting ready for you know what what my adulthood is going to mean and really having to honor the fact that it was like you know <laughs> Will you make it to that age? Mm. You know, Mm. like you're seeing so many black folks who don't make it to 25 or 30 or whatever. Right. Mm. Um, And so it was that it was my grandmother's passing away that really made me have to like about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, I thank you. Yeah. That really like shook me that like Mm. rocked me and like, rocked everything into place mm-hmm. and then a lot of things that i like read or come across people people always say you know like that's the thing right like mm-hmm. that's the thing that ends up being the catalyst for change mm-hmm. and uh it's uh, more times than not all the time it kind of like takes this really like crazy thing this really sad tragic thing um to happen mm-hmm to like rock us into place and 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 I think that it started out as me just feeling bad that I yeah. felt like I was going to get uh mm. get you know pick up my relationship with my grandmother when I finished school. Mm. You mm. know, so I'm like really so I'm like trying to manage this house a relationship being in school and my relationship with my grandmother is kind of like 
you know, we're mm-hmm. we're becoming distant. And I mm-hmm. just didn't think that it was going to happen the way that it did. I felt like when I graduated, it was always like, you know. Going to be easy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's why the album album opens with, you know, my grandmother's on, yes. a, on a voicemail. You know what I mean? Like, call me when you get time. Like, mm-hmm. like who are you? You know what I mean? Roy Kinsey. Like, yeah. who are you? Like, when you get time, you know, it's yes. like, that's your grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like this, this, you know, journey of like going around the entire thing mm-hmm. and, um, only to realize that the most important thing was like this relationship, that conversation, that mm-hmm. time that you, you know, could have answered the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it started out as that. And then the more that I made music and the more clarity that I got making mm-hmm. music, um, I realized that I was just hacking at territory that I hadn't seen before, which was like, None of I just haven't done this yet. Yeah. You know, like I haven't done any of this yet and neither has my family. You know what I mean? Like I'm the I'm, you know, uh, married to my partner, right? I don't know any gay folks in my fam, you know, mm-hmm. in my family that are out like that, mm-hmm. you know, besides like whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so so it's that, but it's also like uh higher education. Haven't really seen many people do that mm-hmm. and then really just trying to like figure it all out mm. on the album. That's mainly what it was is really just trying to figure it out and knowing that I was carrying a lot of these thoughts um and and ultimately understanding that that you know many black Americans carry around all of these thoughts mm. whether they speak them or not. You know, these are you know operating mm. having to operate with a double consciousness is uh, traumatizing, um, having to look at yourself through somebody else's eyes and then your own again. And then, you know, and then mm. we like yeah. shut down the mental health <laughs> facilities, you know, it's just like, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. It's wild. And this is not new, you know, mm. W.E.B. Dubois talked about this, you know, a hundred years ago, mm. 110 years ago, you know, that was a, a lot of what it was too. really mm. just trying to understand um, like the double conscious, the the double consciousness that you have to have, mm. um, being black in America, and the things as you said, it's not new. Any of these ideals are not new, but I definitely think that the way that you have handled uh, and approached the topic by using a personal you know, coming from a thread that's personal and, like, it discusses the interior as opposed to, like, everything's crazy around me <laughs> is really interesting as yeah. well for, in hip-hop because yeah. hip-hop is quite reactionary sometimes. Sure. And the fact that you're working through it in that genre is is so unique because, especially as a listener, I'm foreign. Like, I come from South Africa. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a, such a hugely transformative experience to listen to music from someone like you thank you because it's, it's a pleasure it's just it's so foreign you hear stories of things going on but when you are fearful that you are going to make a certain age I, it's uh, it's it's so it's so upsetting yeah it makes me feel very much like this is absolutely the, the time for you yeah. To be doing what you're doing. Thank you. You know? Thank you. I had a moment a couple weeks ago uh, on stage. I had my husband to build a casket. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think maybe Mr. I think Mr. Wallace might have mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. So I did oh, that wow. at the last okay. show. And yeah. even he got on stage. He was just like, ooh. 
that's dark, you know? And then I was shook even before, mm -hmm. like, starting the show. And then I was just, like, telling people, like, I think I'm about to take it, take that off. Like, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, Not a piece came over me, like, no, that casket is staying mm -hmm. there. This is what the album is about. And this is what I want you to know mm. through my art. This is what I want you to know about how my mind has been working. Why would somebody like me be thinking about death all the time? You know? Did you want to take the casket off because you were worried how it would kind of mask what you were doing? Or were you worried how people would perceive it? Or were you worried that you would feel too much if it was on the stage? I already feel too much on stage. <laughs> so it wasn't that. It was more about the fact that I that I didn't want so many... I didn't want people that were coming to see me um, to, you know, just be taken to a place. Mm. Uh, but they need, you know, they need to go... They it need needs to, to go, happen. They need to go to that place, you know. And, this, and, and I'm working on my next album already um, where, where I understand um, and really process you know my earliest encounters with death that wasn't old you know that mm. wasn't my like my great grandmother's funeral could have been my first funeral mm. but it probably wasn't you mm. know and even if it was even if her funeral was my first funeral mm. the second funeral that I went to was a kid that was in my class that he was in my class right and I found out on the news again yeah. Found out on the news that this kid in a project building and mm. the project wow. was jumping up and down and fell out of one of those <gasps> and fell out of oh, one of those no. windows, right? And so oh, I seen gosh. this kid on Friday and then Monday he is not in school anymore, right? And so this is what I've seen and this is what my father has seen mm -hmm. and this is what like so many black folks experience, you know, where it's just kinda like people and people pass away. You sure, know, I but understand it, that, but it's yeah, a, it's, it's different unnatural, things. exactly, right? and it's just like the traps. Mm. It's like you know this this building isn't cared for, mm. or the resources are taken from this neighborhood. It's just kind of like preventable. Setting you up, yeah. yes, preventable, preventable mm. deaths. Yeah, um, and and just doing an, ex an excavation of my life and really understanding like for so long, you know, it, it really takes the exposure, it really takes the access and it really takes the, the love, mm. right? Like my mother's birthday was a week ago and oh. we talked and celebrated her. Yeah. 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 And, and happy birthday to my mother. <laughs> um, and so we had a, a really, really um, great time, but I was really thinking about, my mother's care and how so many people um, don't have that, right? Like I work for Chicago Public Libraries and I see huge communities of kids that for whatever reason are like just getting dropped off, just mm -hmm. coming to the library, just like being there all day, just like without food or without love mm. and just like have somebody just like getting sent off right and my experience is so much different mm. than that and it's not that like I'm from neighborhoods like that mm. I'm but I'm the I'm being able to look at my life and feel so blessed because I had a mom that was just like 
mm-hmm. insistence on us like having a good life and insistent on like caring for me and guiding mm-hmm. me in like all of these ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's also what I mean when it's when we're not talking about resources, but just talking about mm-hmm. like just having li- that emotional care. Yeah, yeah. And it is, I suppose also it's different because you're working in those environments where you can see that all day. It's very different for somebody who's standing on the sidelines going, but I feel like I understand what's going on, but I don't know how to help. And you are watching it in front of you. You're seeing how the kids are are being left alone or they just, because the parents probably have no choice they have to go to work where do they daycare is too expensive you know and even for people who have you know a lot of money or help from their family daycare is too expensive it's just not subsidized by the government in the way that it should be and it's getting more and more expensive absolutely so how do you how do you then be in what you're doing here without feeling all of those things. Like looking at the rap scene, the hip-hop scene in Chicago, mm-hmm. the music scene in general, mm-hmm. how do you feel like that's evolved over the last few years? Because there's obviously been that term conscious rap sure. come up, but how do you feel you fit into the scene here and how has it really changed and shifted? Sure. I feel terrible about not really knowing much okay. about the music scene right. in Chicago. Is that just because you've kept in your own circle? That's really Mm. the only reason, right? Mm. It's like... But is it because it's safer or just as from an emotional, from an artistic, from a creative point of view? Just always just really because you like your... You have your community and you... You, you feel safe. Uh, it's not even so. It really isn't. You know, like the community in my circle. Mm. Uh, When it comes to me taking in music, I loved Saba's. Last last mm-hmm. joint that was incredible, and uh, I am such a sponge, and I'm you know I have to grow out of it. I just have my my ways of of doing things, but mm-hmm. I just don't I can't really like listen to a lot mm-hmm. of people um, because I'm such a sponge, and mm-hmm. I know the music that I want to make. It's a, it has a huge influence on me. I am not a passive listener. Yes, like, you know like the way that I learn. Um, and just like being being in libraries, I know that there are different types of learners, mm. and you know, and so the way that I take in information, it's a lot of times I listen to instrumentals, a lot of times I listen to you know just beats that people make, especially in this moment of me like creating. Mm. Uh, I really don't listen to Too like much. a lot of people, um, and so I really really need to do that, but I just. I, but it's I just been a while. I yeah. understand what you're saying. If you're a spongy type of person, which I feel like I am too, I have to really be careful what I expose myself to. Otherwise, yeah. I just feel too much and yeah. feel everything. And I'm like, yeah. I'm burning up because it's too much. So I understand, especially from a creative and an artistic point of view as yeah. well, yeah. not wanting to let anything seep in too much and keeping it very authentic. Yeah. So I do understand that. But in terms of obviously being gay and having your entire life in the hands of your listeners. You know, you don't hide anything. Mm. Do you feel like the hip hop scene here is accepting of that? Do you feel like there's any, there's been any backlash or anything that you felt, you know, that people just don't get it? I've had so many experiences, you know, like this isn't, this made 10 years, uh, 
eight or ten years, I believe, that I've like been making music, although this is my fourth album. Mm. And I've experienced all of it, but I can't say that it's the scene. You know, I've experienced uh, a perceived homophobia. Mm. I've, I've, I've uh, pre- you know, I've experienced um, somebody not wanting to shake my hand because, you know, what? W- to, yeah, I've, exper- I've experienced... Were they in, in a church or? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it wasn't in a church. I I went to some event and um, people got germs and whatever. So I do understand that, but I don't think that that's what it was no, because I, I, I reached out one. to shake this dude's hand and then he didn't shake my hand and he like dapped me. But yeah. then he shook somebody's hand right after me, right? And I was just like, oh, okay, yeah. I clocked that. All right, whatever. <laughs> I see you. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it was, so it was that. So I've experienced that. I've experienced people go on stage right after me. Mm-hmm. And um, after I did this performance and killed it, and then they, like, go up behind me and, like, say something about a fag. I've, I've experienced all of it, as you wow. will. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. as you will, but... And I don't mean to bring it out. No, I just it's think fine. that it's interesting it's, yeah. because there's a lot of things that people I think might happen by ignorance, through ignorance. Yeah. And they don't realize that it actually does happen and how that can knock you, even just for a second, especially after performance mm-hmm. where you at the highest of your highs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then having somebody come on and, you know, undermine you and disrespect you like that. I mean, there's no space for that now. Definitely, like, there's not. no space for that. Absolutely none. It's... I've, I've um, prioritized being a good rapper, being a really good rapper, mm. um, and I I realize that that is threatening to a lot of people. Um, I'm not thinking about other people mm. when I'm making music. I'm thinking about like really wanting to you know go in slay these dragons <laughs> get my gold and come back out you know what i mean like i'm I really that. like yeah. i really just want to be good at the thing and people are always you know and forever are going to be preoccupied with another thing mm-hmm. um the better that i get especially since you know you have to take your space mm. uh, being black and queer in hip hop and just in the world, mm. you know, in America and in, in the world. Um, and so I think that that's really just what I've been doing. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, it's undeniable. You know, mm. the music is, the music is undeniable. And I don't, I realize that uh, envy, jealousy, are uh they don't have to end there Mm. and a lot of times we believe that they do because we've seen envy and jealousy turn into like very dark Mm. and Mm. you know nasty things but i also believe that envy and jealousy kind of like hold the potential yeah to to turn it into love absolutely i agree yeah and an appreciation and really be like yo if i'm jealous or envious of this this Mm. means that you know, um, I want to bring this thing out of myself or um, 
it's asking me to have a deeper appreciation for this thing or for this person or they made me feel a certain kind of way or yeah. whatever. I know? sometimes get so mad that like the responsibility is up to the person that is harmed to see the situation in a better light, you yes. know, because obviously you, the, the everybody just needs understanding with the fact yeah. that it's like sent to, it's it's people turn to the person that it's happened to. <laughs> To look for that understanding, it's kind of bullshit, right? You're it's abusive. Like, <laughs> like that, that's, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, abusive, but, you know, hell? we don't really have a choice. You don't have a choice because you, you choice. can't carry on then yeah. with your life and what you're doing. Yeah, my only, I only, I can only understand this. This is the only mm. way that I'm going to be able to make peace and move on with this is that, you know, people are alive in human bodies doing human things and, um, you know. So tell me about the first concert that you ever went to in Chicago or the p- first performance, maybe if it was even at school or it's just something with your grandmother sure. or with your mom. Where where was it? Yo, this is this is <laughs> this is crazy, actually, because now my mind is all over the place. I remember <laughs> a very I don't even really remember much from this one that I just thought about, but mm. it was like a Halloween show that my mom took me to. And um and there were very on on theme, I must say. It was very yes, <laughs> it was a it was like a Halloween concert, and there were Michael Jackson impersonators. Okay, and like all of them, but Michael Jackson was one of the impersonators. I remember that, and I don't remember much else besides that. So that's that. That that's was okay. very early. Um, my mother uh, surprised us. Me and my younger brother. Um, dropped us off, like told us to get dressed after school one day. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Friday. Told us to get dressed. And so we like put on our shirts and ties and then they dropped us off at the Chicago Theater and it was Drew Hill, oh, wow. Case, Faith Evans, Total. This sounds amazing. <laughs> and one more person and I can't remember who it was. These five people mm. on this bill, R&B show. Wow. And that was our first show. That was our first kind of like rites of passage thing. Like you're an adult now. Yes. Like you're going to a concert downtown <laughs> by yourself. Uh, so that was that was wonderful. And it was so magical. And I just stood up. And even to this day, I do the same thing. I rarely mm. sit down at any concert. Mm. <laughs> I buy a, buy a seat, of course. Yeah, but I'm on my said. feet the entire time. Um, yeah. And so that was that was one of my first shows. And then I was in, I was in a choir from oh, the time really? I was like eight until oh, wow. I was like 13. So traveled around singing in churches mm. and and you know in front of like large large groups and from then on you know i've just i've just been been at shows and and uh they're very much like church for me you know my i i look at my expression and me making music is as worship i really do um which is why it's very easy for me to uh speak the way that i do about music mm. or like try to have an understanding over here or not get too caught up in a scene Mm. or the people that do the thing in the scene because i know that this is like you know when when when, once the music comes out for me Mm. and people get it that is like great for 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 us but i'm clearly here for something else i'm i'm here for something else and um uh, it's a it's a 
transformative and spiritual experience for me every time, you know, that I make music, you know, like I'm at this point realizing like, this isn't even really me, you know, like, so, no, <laughs> it's like I'm being used and, and I thank <laughs> God if I come up with something like yesterday, I wrote a song, I came up, I was just like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for using me for this. I appreciate it. It's like half ego, half not like I'm going to get to take the credit for this, but I know that this I will is do, I will do your work for you. Yeah. But I hear you and I love that you, you open to that as well. And, and sometimes people are always so fixated with how things begin and how music, how the first note starts, how, you know, your lyrics start. Like, it, it, and the truth is sometimes there is, it's, unexplainable you can't you you can't really put it to words so if it is the spiritual moment where everything's just kind of bursting and flowing out of you and you're the vessel yeah it couldn't be a better explanation you know yeah do you remember then a show that you played where you thought or maybe it could be the first show you played where you thought like this is exactly what i need to be doing i need to be performing i need to be out there i need to be telling people what I'm feeling and sharing my story. Was mm-hmm. there ever a show that you played? I mean, you said you've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. So I know um, that's difficult to be thinking in the past because I feel like you are also sure. quite a forward thinker. But 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 these are, but um, performing Blackie, I was performing Blackie before it even came out. Mm. I was performing them in some library spaces for like One Book, One Chicago. Last, yes. last uh, yeah. uh, library Amazing. season, we did um, the book I'll Take You There by Mavis Staples. And so oh, my wow. album coming, it was like perfect, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about the same things. We're talking about sharecropping parents, yeah. grandparents from the south coming mm-hmm. from the south mississippi dockery hills to chicago yeah uh dockery farms uh to chicago um making soul music right mm-hmm. and talking about all these things so then you know blackie's the first album that i make that i am like abstinent mm-hmm. from alcohol oh, wow. um and so I'm like wondering how mm-hmm. this is going to be because I'm not performing these this music in bars and mm. clubs like I was performing my older music. I'm not performing this with a drink in my hand, mm. right? And then the first time I'm just so like I'm practicing the song mm. Jungle Book and realizing that it's delivered one way mm. on the album and the recording, but it holds so much energy and anger that I'm like crying Mm. like I'm like crying performing the song and then people are crying and um I think that's when I kind of like realized that first of all if I didn't have this song Mm. you know didn't have a place to like put this anger then I'd be still walking around with it Mm -hmm. exactly yeah you'd still have it festering inside Yeah. yeah and then the other thing is that so many people come up to me and they're just like thank you i ex- i laughed mm. i cried during the show like so many people, so many people tell me that after every show i laughed during the show i cried like i just felt all of my emotions one of my best friends comes up to me she's just like 
I just feel clean now. She's just like, she just says that. She's like, I just feel refreshed. And she says that she's been to like so many shows this Mm. year. And she says that after every show, and it really is that, it really just is this journey through like all of the things, which is, you know, emblematic and and symbolic of just the black experience itself, right? It's just like, it has to be that like mm. it like you we end up in a celebration mm. and the celebration means so much more because this is why we're celebrating we're like not mm. celebrating for not you know just not for anything like mm. we're actually celebrating because life is so fragile Right, exactly. It's a party you know, now because there was a casket on stage. We didn't, you know, we didn't did the whole I, thing. But I totally, I, I hear you. I think to relate it back to my experience, like moving here, um, my whole our whole culture because South Africa is the way that it is. You don't live every day flippantly. It's like you, if you're meeting someone, you get to know their heart. Mm. You get to know everything straight away. Mm-hmm. Family is so important. Mm-hmm. Every day, everything is so important because, as you said, it's fragile. And attacking a genre in that sense, like you are doing, but the way that you've you're performing it, it's poetry, it's art. So I love that your friend said that it's like cleansing. That is, <laughs> I mean, could you want? I mean, that's the best. That's the best thing. No wonder yeah. she's your best friend. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. We like it. Yeah. Um, Thank you so, for saying that. Of course, yeah. of course, and I mean it very genuinely. Let's end off with chatting a little bit about the show coming up yes. on the 23rd. Yes. Obviously, it's attached. You've got Red Bull music coming in to Chicago for the month of November. Yeah. And then Future Hidden Friends is performing. Are you doing any other shows during the month or is it just that one show? Mm, as of right now, that's the only show okay. that I'm that I'm doing, um, which, is, which, is, which is cool. We have some things... Um, on the calendar for January and February. February is the one year anniversary, so I have some very special things coming up. Uh, but for for November and December, we're kind of like, you know, keeping it a little low. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that things just pop up as they have mm-hmm. been doing since February, since we put the album out. Um, they just kind of like come out of nowhere and I so don't, how can people you know. find out just do you want to how do people find out uh, about all the shows do they just follow you on socials yes or? yeah my social media uh is um my instagram is rapbrarian.com that's r-a-p-b-r-a-r-i-a-n rapbrarian um i'm also on twitter at roy kinsey r-o-y-k-i-n-s-e-y uh, my website is roykinsey.com and a new video just came out. Uh, it's amazing. Thank you. Wow. Last Friday, the RBG video. So the video for Red, Black, and Green, uh, I really wanted to um, kind of highlight and memorialize mm. um, Black Chicago, especially, you know, you drive around the city and you see these building and new mm-hmm. Chicago signs. And um, so I just really wanted to to um, talk about our infatuation with with and preoccupation with flags mm. over uh, people. And, and, and you know, the Blackie album really kind of talks about the Great Migration as though it ended. Mm. Yeah, it's but not, more it's than not two, over. Yeah, more than 200,000 people have, more yeah. than 200,000 black folks have left Chicago mm. within the last 10 years. And um, 
when you think about these migrations, when you think about bl- black folks leaving the South anyway, mm. and what it was, it wasn't great because things were great. Yeah. <laughs> it was They're great. They left for a reason. They, yeah. left for, they left for a reason. More Absolutely. times than not, it's like violence, it's jobs, it's, you know, mm-hmm. housing or all of the above. And, um, and so that was very, very interesting to be able to like have my friends come out and like capture uh, these last images, possibly in a gentrifying mm. Chicago. And so mm. that video was out, uh, RBG. It's amazing. You have to check it out. We'll post it with the with the episode as well. Great. And also, I was just wondering now, is there like a mantra or like a saying or philosophy that you feel your grandmother passed down to you that you every time things get a little bit challenging and you don't really know which way to go is there something or say a saying that you feel you remember anything that is so sweet i've really been trying to think about uh mantras and affirmations more and more um uh if if anything happened that was like super devastating to me in high school, um, my mom would come and she would just be like, "Are you gonna die?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, "No." And she'd be like, "Well, you well, know, there you well go. then, well then, right?" And then I my grandma, yeah, love. They're yeah. Like, you're gonna die. No, okay, then you fine. And then my grandma, and then my grandma, um, my grandmother was just so sweet. And right after she passed away, I. Uh, was like riding around the city mm-hmm. on my bike. And for that day, it just felt like everybody, like nobody knew that she passed away. These are complete strangers, right? But I had like put on my 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 headphones mm-hmm. and Apple Music, like put on this random playlist of like soul music that me and her used to listen to all the time. So it was like Sam Cooke, Aretha Aww. Franklin. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's strange, but that's like right on time. Yes. And then the bus driver stops and just like makes sure that I like go past. Everybody's being super nice to wow. me. And it felt like my grandmother had like was like multiplied yeah. by like a hundred right it felt like she was like the sweetest thing yeah. everywhere it felt like I was getting a hug from her mm-hmm. and it, and a lot of times when you lose somebody it feels the opposite it feels oh, like totally you, the you world know, is against you. it did yeah. not feel that way it felt like she was just even more grand and that she was everywhere and um I've just been realizing more and more you know just like you just put some put a little honey on it like just put a little honey on like all of these situations, because that's yeah. literally how she was. She was like the queen of like, bless your heart. <laughs> she was like the queen of that, yeah. you know, just like super sweet. And so um, at this point in my life, um, especially even in this year, it's mm-hmm. really just like sweet, sweetening up just a lot of a lot of this. So like a lot of these things don't even really, you know, need a bad attention from me. Absolutely. A lot of this just needs um, just love. ask for my sweetness. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you. You've been so sweet. <laughs> thank you. You too. <laughs> and buy some tickets. Yep. Please. Yep. Buy some tickets. Buy some tickets to this Red Bull show. Um, come out. It's going to be a very important um, performance for me. I already feel it. I mean, every, every time I get to perform this album, mm. um, it's important. And just being able to do it with Red Bull absolutely is 
crazy yeah. and amazing. And so I'm really, really glad to be able to like share it in this capacity. Um, and thank you for having me here. Of course. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and the Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmptgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you all